What a blessing that I have uh, 45 minutes or so to share the gospel with you and, uh, and to, to, to open up the scriptures and expound on them. I consider it a tremendous privilege. I have three Sundays of preaching uh, before Tammy and I head off to South Africa and, um, and, then, uh, and then depart on our new adventures in life. And uh, so the next three of my sermons are going to be all uh, part of a single sermon. And I'm going to take a little less time each Sunday to share them because I think if I try to share it all at once, you'd be here for way too long. So I'm going to shorten it up and break it up over three. Uh, and we're going to talk about blessing. Can somebody say blessing? blessing. We're going to talk about blessing, and uh, we're going to start with our theme scripture, which is from Numbers chapter 6. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, Old Testament, book of Numbers, the, uh, the priestly blessing that God gave to, uh, to Aaron to speak over the people, and uh, we can turn there, and we'll read that. At the end of the service, I'm going to take the opportunity to sing that blessing over you again. Uh, as we have uh, since uh, January, from time to time, been singing that blessing over you. And if I remember, uh, if I forget, you guys have to remind me. But before we head out today, we'll sing that blessing over you again. As a, uh, as a brief reminder uh, of just the grace of God, back on January the 7th, I awoke early in the morning to hear the Lord singing over me and over my family. And uh, it was a strange and beautiful thing. And uh, I woke up with just the last few notes as if somebody was playing a piano. And uh, I didn't actually hear the Lord singing, but I heard the, the music ending as if I'd woken up too soon um, before the angelic choir had stopped. And, uh, and I woke up just too, just too soon to, to just catch the sound of heaven. And, uh, and I instantly knew what the song was just from the last two or three notes of this, of this thing playing in my mind. I ran downstairs and I told Tammy and she said, what song is that? And I played it on my phone for her. And she said, oh, gosh, that's not just for us. That's for the whole fellowship. And uh, we, we wept together. And as I've meditated on it since the beginning of the year until now, I see the hand of the Lord in it, uh, speaking a blessing over us, over us personally, over our family, uh, but also over this family, the family of faith, the household of faith, that God's blessing and grace is upon us in Christ Jesus. And that no matter what was going to un unfold, in fact, lots of things unfolded within almost days uh, of, of the Lord singing that over me. Things began to go chaotic uh, in, in uh, some of the areas of our, of our management. And I had to scramble to get things covered. A mission in Africa that was suddenly in distress and I needed to figure things out. And, uh, next thing I knew, we were making all kinds of changes. And before you know it, uh, the Lord had made it clear that, uh, that our journey was, was going to be shifting from Cape Cod to, uh, to Virginia and to the ends of the earth. And we just... It all just happened so fast, but in the middle of it, the Lord spoke. At the very beginning of it, before it even happened, the Lord spoke. And he said, I'm blessing you. You will be blessed in your staying and in your going, in your sitting down and your standing up, in your going out and your coming in. You will be blessed. And it wasn't just over us. It was over the fellowship too. And I'm so grateful that God does these things. Now, it's not... Uh, a firm word. We didn't have it written in stone. It wasn't the handwriting on the wall as such. It was just an act uh, of, of premonition, as it were. The Lord gave something and we read it, interpreted it as the Spirit of the Lord speaking to us as a fellowship. And I just want to give you this little brief introduction to the blessing of the Lord. There are times when God speaks blessing over our lives, but the blessing that he speaks is not heard with, it's not heard audibly, it's not heard with physical ears. It's heard with the ears of faith. 
And I want to tell you that you will, if you will receive the blessing of the Lord, which God gives, and you will accept it by faith, you will live in a confidence and you will make decisions, not double-minded, but based on firm foundation. And you will walk in the blessing of the Lord. But there are some caveats. There are some caveats. And we'll talk about those over the next three weeks, about what it means to walk in the blessing of the Lord. But let me just say this. The Lord has he's opened up this new season for us as a fellowship with blessing. Take that and hold on to that. Every one of you. No matter whether your journey is taking you to Tucson, Arizona, like the Mies, who leave on May 13th, ah, oh, still my anxious heart. Whether it's the Escalins leaving or the Priscos or, or others, but whether it's you staying, taking a new position, stepping into your gifting here in the fellowship under the leadership of the capable leaders of this church, whether it's that coming or going, you are blessed. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. I seem to recall, Tammy, that your father spoke the last time he spoke to us, which was probably just after Christmas in 2020, and he spoke to us about being blessed. And I can hear his words echoing in our hearts right now, and I can hear the Lord speaking to us saying, I have blessed you, and I have loved you with an everlasting love. So, Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand firm and steadfast in this identity. You are a blessed people, a peculiar people by all means, but a blessed people set apart for the Lord's purpose. Amen. So let's read it together. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. And I will bless them. No more words are necessary, are they? It seems self-explanatory. The priest is to speak the words of the Lord over the people of God. The priest is empowered because the Lord has spoken to the priest the priest speaks not his own words, but the words of the Lord. And the priest declares what the Lord is going to do. And what the Lord has done. And what the Lord is doing. And the Lord says, you do this. And you put my name upon them. And I will bless them. There's such confidence in this beautiful verse. But there's a lot to talk about because I want you to walk in the confidence that you have the blessing of the Lord. Is it not the case that throughout the history of mankind, men and women alike have sought the blessings of the deity, whatever deity is that it is that they have chosen to believe in. 
They seek the pleasure and the favor of that deity, or at least, if nothing else, they seek not the wrath, not the curse of that deity. If the deity is capricious and evil and evil-willed, then at least let me be ignored by that deity. But if the, if the deity is, is, is blessed and if the deity is, is, is able to bless, then they seek the blessing of that deity. It is so remarkable that God begins his journey with his people by sharing with them a blessing, speaking a blessing over his people who, by the way, according to the history at this point, are not worthy of this kind of blessing. They are most assuredly not. In the context of Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, we find a few interesting things. The, uh, the lead up to Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, is uh, a couple of rather interesting, uh, uh, rather in- interesting instructions on how to deal with people and their sin, and then how to deal with people who are set apart. In chapter 5, uh, Moses and, uh, and, and Aaron are given instructions from the Lord on how to deal with people who are unclean. And there's a confession that's required and a restitution that's expected to be made for people that have sinned. And then there's this test for adulterous relationships. Uh, people may have been jealous of their spouse, suddenly uh, afraid that somebody's paying attention to their spouse. Men might think some other fellow is paying attention to their wives. And, and, uh, and if they suspected adultery but couldn't prove it, they could go and stand before the priest, and the priest could make up a concoction of some sort of bitter waters, and they would give it to the woman to drink, and she would drink a curse upon herself. If she was hiding adultery, she would shrivel up. Her womb would shrivel up, and she would have no more children. And, uh, and if she was innocent, then it would have no effect upon her. This is a very bizarre scripture. And, um, and it's, a, it's, a, a, a bit of, it's a bit scary. It seems, to, it seems to justify the jealous heart of a jealous husband. But at the same time, it, it speaks about the hiding of, of sins and the, and the covering up of sins and the, and the fact that some people try. They try. Maybe you. Maybe me. Try to hide our sins and pretend they're not there. Things that nobody can point their finger at with sureness and say, oh, well, that was definitely. And it seems like the Lord didn't want this kind of lurking sin in his people, amongst his people. So he gave them a method, a way to present themselves before him without issues in their heart. How can you come to the house of the Lord with your spouse if you're afraid that your spouse is having an adulterous affair and then worship the Lord with a pure heart and a clean heart? And so God gave way. He said, well, bring them and go through this test. And if the test comes out negative, then you're fine. If the test comes out positive, you're in trouble. It doesn't seem like a nice context for blessing, does it? Then the next passage of scripture in Numbers chapter 6 tells us about the Nazarite vow. It talks about people who set themselves apart for the Lord. In fact, let's read a few verses from, from, from chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel, say to them, When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, Nazarite from the word Nazir, or Nazir which means to separate oneself, Uh, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink, shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat any grapes 
fresh or dried. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. And all the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy and he shall let the locks of his hair, the hair of his head grow long. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. Not even for his father or for his mother or brother or sister, if they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. And if any man dies very suddenly beside him and he defiles his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day, he shall shave it. On the eighth day, he shall bring two turtle doves, two pigeons to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering and make atonement for him because he sinned by reason of the dead body. And he shall consecrate his head that same day and separate himself to the Lord for the days of his separation and bring a male lamb a year old for a guilt offering. But the previous period shall be void because his separation was defiled. Uh, is anybody else lost yet? Did you get lost somewhere there in the separation and the dead bodies and the, and the hair and the razors and all that stuff? It seems a lot of complication to separate oneself to the Lord in a special vow. One would think with these lead-ups to the priestly blessing that there must be a whole lot of caveats before the priestly blessing given in Numbers chapter 6 can actually be placed upon the people with any level of confidence that God will actually do what he said. Now, if I look across, across the congregation, if I were to say, which of us can honestly say that we are like a Nazarite who has kept his vow or her vow unto the Lord and not touched anything or done anything, eaten anything, defiled ourselves or anything, and which of us would be able to say, that's me? Um, probably not. Probably not. We have a few instances of Nazarites in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, uh, the first one uh, is actually Joseph. Joseph, because he was separated from his brothers. So he was Nazir. He was separate. It's kind of the first mention of separation. Joseph was separated from his brothers because his brothers sold him into slavery. It wasn't necessarily his own decision to be separated from his brothers, but he kept himself pure. He went down to Egypt. He was living amongst the Egyptians, but he kept himself pure unto God. He didn't partake of the Egyptian uh, gods. He didn't worship the Egyptian gods and so forth. He kept himself pure before the Lord. Uh, he also wouldn't take Potiphar's wife, kept himself pure there, ended up in prison because of it, separated again. So in many ways, although he wasn't a Nazarite according to this Nazarite vow, he was nevertheless separated unto God. And it's interesting that Joseph becomes the first sort of um, illustration of a redeemer, of a, of a savior for the people of Israel, isn't it? He was separated out. He kept himself pure. He went into prison, which is kind of like dying and being raised again, as it were. When he was raised again, he was able to redeem his brothers and his father and his family. And, uh, and in, so, in so doing, he kind of becomes a prototype of Christ in a way. So maybe the first idea of Nazarite separation is there with Joseph. Anyway, it grows, of course. Uh, and then here in Moses, you have this, you have this declaration about a Nazarite vow. But then, then we have Samson, of course. He's a Nazarite. Remember him? He's a Nazarite from, uh, from the womb, actually. Hmm. Great uh, argument for uh, pro-life, isn't it? Uh, Samson in the womb, separated out unto God. And, uh, and his mother wasn't even allowed to touch wine or alcohol or any of that because he was to be separated even from the womb unto God as a Nazarite. He wasn't a fantastic example of a Nazarite, I don't think. 
I'm not sure the Samson really fits our model there. But, um, but anyway, but Samson does judge the people and he does bring a blessing upon the people of Israel in that he destroys the enemy of Israel, doesn't he? So the Nazarite brings a blessing because of his being set apart. But Samson is not truly blessed himself, I don't think. I mean, his death is rather ignominious, isn't it? He, he just, he dies a, a rather, yeah, disastrous death, bringing down the temple of Dagon upon his own head. So, um, hmm, Samson. Okay, there's another one, Samuel. Samuel is definitely set apart. Now, don't know if Samson, if uh, Samuel did the Nazarite thing. He might have. He was certainly set apart from when he was a child. His mother set him apart, gave him over to Eli, the house of Eli, to be raised there. Don't need to tell you the whole story of Samuel, but you know that God used him and he became a prophet to the nation. He spoke the word of the Lord because he was set apart. Because he was set apart. And he was able to speak blessing. And he did. And he brought about uh, the installation of the kings of, uh, of, of Israel. The first one being Saul, because God said, set apart Saul. And so he did. But uh, Saul, of course, disobeyed the Lord. And then God sent Samuel to set apart David. So the set apart one, in turn, set others apart and brought the blessing upon the house of Israel. Interesting, isn't it? Brought the blessing of God upon the one who may have been committing adultery, as it were, the nation of Israel secretly worshiping false gods and drinking the bitter waters, as it were. And so the Nazarite comes to bring the blessing. Well, we have another Nazarite uh, in John the Baptist, a New Testament example of John the Baptist. He is certainly a Nazarite, and he's supposed to be set apart as a Nazarite, and he definitely lives it out, doesn't he? He's probably the best example of a Nazarite that we have. And he truly lives set apart. I mean, he goes off and lives in the wilderness even until the day that he begins preaching the gospel and baptizing people out of the wilderness. And he is the one who ushers in the Christ and says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So there is a priestly anointing on John the Baptist, who is, by the way, the son of a priest. So a Nazarite becomes a priest who speaks a blessing. Well, why am I telling you all of this? Because, first of all, we need to know whether or not we have a blessing. And then we need to know whether or not the person speaking the blessing over us has any right to speak that blessing. The first thing is, can we as a nation be blessed? And I'm saying as a nation, I mean, let's just bring it home. As a church, can we be blessed? As a nation that belongs to God, as the people of the Lord, set apart for God, can we be blessed? And who speaks that blessing? Can the people of God be blessed in Moses' day? Well, apparently they can. Because apparently one who is set apart can speak the blessing. So even though they're living with this, not quite sure whether their hearts are pure before God, not quite sure how long they're going to last in this marriage with God, with purity, there is still those, there are those who set themselves apart. And in this case, the priestly house of Aaron set themselves apart and were Nazarites, as it were unto the Lord. Now, they, I'm sure, drank wine and so forth, but the Nazarite is just an example of this being set apart. So the, air, the, the blessing of God upon Aaron was that he was able to speak a blessing over the people and God would hear his voice and perform that blessing in their lives, even over those whose hearts were not necessarily pure. Pure. 
I'd like to say that we have the perfect Nazarite. Jesus of Nazareth. Interesting play on words there. But Jesus is truly set apart. As a matter of fact, won't you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 real quick, just to see a little declaration of Jesus as having been set apart uh, in the words of Paul. Philippians chapter 2 says this, If there's any encouragement in, in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, full, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied him emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a separation that Jesus made. First, he made a separation from, uh, from his heavenly position in order to come and to qualify as our high priest. Again, in Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, if you want to turn there, there's a little, little scripture jumping around in scripture here for you. Um, in Hebrews, uh, we have this. Um, just one second. Oh, come along. Wake up. Yeah, that's not it. That's all right. Give you time to get to the book of Hebrews right here. says um, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering he goes on to say um, in verse uh, 17 therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, chapter 3, holy brothers, you, share, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses." We could continue there, but the, the essence of it is that Jesus has been separated out to become our high priest. 
And as the high priest then, he is able to speak a blessing because his is the name above all names. He is able to take the name of God and place it upon the people of God and he can speak a blessing over them, over us. And so it is that if Aaron could speak blessing over the people of God and it was actually fulfilled by the Lord, then how much more Christ to speak blessing over us and for that blessing to actually stick, for that blessing to have a place to land. The blessing of the Lord, which Christ speaks over us, is not contingent upon us as much as it is contingent upon him. The holiness of our high, high priest, does he have the authority to speak the blessing? The blessing is issued forth by God, and the blessing to be received by the people is we, we cannot make God bless us. We cannot force God to speak a blessing over us. God has the right to speak blessing or to speak a curse. And we have no power in and of ourselves to choose which one we get and to force him to give it to us. God is in the business of blessing. He wants to bless you. From the beginning, we see God blessing. In the book of Genesis, it's written again and again, the blessing of the Lord. It starts out in Genesis chapter 1. God blesses Adam and Eve, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Again, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3, we hear a curse that's spoken because man falls. But even in the curse, God offers a blessing. He offers a promise because God is in the business of blessing. It is his desire to bless. It is not his desire to curse. God continues. In Genesis chapter 9, he speaks a blessing again. He speaks a blessing over Noah, having redeemed him from the flood. And then when Noah sins and and, uh, and, and his sons sin, and, and then they, a couple generations later, are building the Tower of Babel. God comes down and he foils their plans, and I suppose it's a curse of some sort, but a blessing because God does not allow them to do what they want to do without first accomplishing what he had promised, that he would send a Messiah. God continues in Abraham, and he blesses Abraham in, in, in chapter 12. And he says, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. God blesses Abraham, and he makes it specific to a particular family because in Abraham, he wants to bless the whole world. And God says, I'm going to use your family. I'm going to bring the high priest who is able to speak the blessing over all the earth through your family. And he sets apart Abraham's family for this purpose. We recognize this, and then we see the blessing of the Lord in Abraham's lineage. We see the blessing of the Lord spoken over his children. And we see these things begin to take place when Abraham speaks. Uh, Abraham comes, and, and Melchizedek speaks a blessing as a high priest. The first high priest to speak a blessing in the Bible is Melchizedek. And you, you read about him in Genesis chapter 14. When Abraham comes back from, that, uh, from raiding the, uh, 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 the camp of, of, of the, the five kings who had destroyed the, um, uh, the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, and, um, and he, redeemed, he rescued his, his nephew Lot, and when he brought them back, he came, and the king of Salem, uh, Melchizedek, high priest of, of the Most High God, came out and offered him bread and wine and a blessing. And Abraham took that rather than the wealth and the riches of the world. 
And he chose the blessing of the high priest at that time. And later we find that that high priest becomes, in a way, the progenitor of Christ also in, in, in a spiritual sense. And Christ is high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Deep stuff, don't worry, don't get lost on it. But here's the point. The point is blessing. Blessing happens again and again. It seems like the whole book of Genesis is about failure. But actually, it's not. The book about, of Genesis is all about blessing. It's all about God finding the workaround. It's about God finding a way to bless his people. <laughs> and not just bless his individual people, as in Israel, the, 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 the nation, the, the, the sons of, of Jacob. It, it's, he's not just talking about those who are of, of natural descent. But he wants to bless the whole world. And the book of Genesis is about the blessing of God coming into the world. God wants to bless his people. The book of Exodus is about a people who are rescued by God and then, and then they wander through a wilderness in which it seems that they are confronted with the curse that lives on the inside of them. But we see again and again and again the blessing of the Lord. God wanting to break through and break over his people and bring blessing to them. He gives them the law. And with the law comes a curse for those who live by the law are judged by the law and those who fail the law are under a curse. But even in that law, God offers, he says, one will come who is a greater prophet even than Moses. And he's going to bring a redemption. Blessing, blessing, blessing. God wants to bless his people. And the blessing that God gives, he speaks first, and then he appoints people to speak that blessing and to be the bearers of that blessing. In the family of Abraham, God speaks blessing over Abraham, but then Abraham speaks blessing over his children, and Abraham's children speak blessing over their children. And so the blessing is passed on from one generation to the next. By the fathers of the generation before, they pass on the blessing and if not the fathers, then there are mothers, matriarchs of Israel, who seeing that the fathers are failing at bringing the blessing to their children, they reach out and make that blessing come themselves. Take, take Tamar and Judah, the story of Tamar and Judah, for example. Tamar who rescues the blessing from, from being lost in oblivion and brings that blessing. We read about it. We talked about it when we were talking about the book of Ruth. There are those who having been blessed by God and having believed that the blessing of God is upon them, carry that blessing to the world around them, to a world that cannot hear the voice of God, but will hear the voice of God through people. And so as we go through the book of the Bible, I think we see time and time again, we see those who are carrying the blessing and issuing the blessing, and we have those who are rebelling against it, or those who refuse to carry the blessing, and those who curse their children rather than blessing their children. And we see a split, a dichotomy. Why am I telling you all of this? Because I want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord. And I not only want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord, but I want you to walk in the anointing of God to carry the blessing of the Lord to others. We have much to talk about, and not a lot of time today. So I'm going to wrap it up by giving you a couple thoughts from 
this specific blessing in Numbers chapter 6. I hope that in some way all of this didn't go over your head, but it whet your appetite a little bit about people in the Bible who carry blessing. And maybe in your own study you can think a little bit about that and go and see if you can identify some of those characters the Bible tells us about who actually carry the blessing of the Lord and bring the blessing of the Lord into others. But know this, that Christ of all the people in the Bible and of all the people that have ever lived, Jesus Christ has the authority to speak the blessing of God upon your life. And so when he quotes from Isaiah 61 and says, this is the day of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. When he speaks that blessing over the people, when he declares that, it's a real thing. And when Christ as our high priest speaks the blessing of God upon us, it is a real thing. And God not only listens to Jesus, but actually fulfills that word in our lives. So let's talk about this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I think this blessing is the quintessential blessing. I think it, is, it encompasses all blessings you could ever imagine in your life. I think it is the high priestly blessing. Not only Aaron spoke this, but I think Christ speaks this over you. I, I'm absolutely positive of it. And I want you to know that this is so rich, it's so full, that when you, when you begin to unpack it, it's just going to be astonishing. You're, you're not going to be able to sleep at night. You're going to be so excited about the grace and the blessing of the Lord that God wants to pour out and is pouring out in your life. Let's look at it. The Lord bless you. Three times the Lord's name is mentioned. Okay, this is a, um, uh, from a literary standpoint, it's, a, it's an emphasis. It's a triple emphasis. It's the, the, thrice, men the thrice mentioned God. It's it, it, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. The, the God of the universe, the God who is, who was, and who is to come. This is the one who blesses you. There's no other lesser God. There's no need for any lesser God. There is no other blessing that could ever surpass this blessing. The Lord bless you. And when the Lord blesses you, this first statement is three statements. The first one is short. The second one's a little bit longer. The third one's the longest. It's, it's a, it, it, when the Lord blesses you, first line, the Lord bless you and keep you. This is, this is, this simple statement is profound. The Lord bless. The word bless, what does it mean? <laughs> well, the Lord empower. The Lord deliver, the Lord heal, the Lord uh, provide, the Lord um, enhance, strengthen, um, the Lord inspire, the Lord uh, bring joy. I, I, consider something that would be a blessing in your life. An emotional experience, perhaps, maybe something physiological, maybe, maybe something economic, financial, maybe a blessing in your fields, maybe the increase of your livestock, don't have livestock, maybe your vehicles multiply, <laughs> scary, 
I had two snowblowers a, a little while ago. It seems like snowblowers were starting to multiply in my shed. I got rid of them last week. I'm so happy. Anyway, you all can have the snow. So um, think about increase. Think about, think about something spiritual. Think about, think about understanding. Think about creativity. The Lord bless We had a conversation the other night. We were sitting with some friends and we were talking about God as the father of light. And, uh, and boy, did we ever have some fun sitting around the dining room table talking about what that meant to each one of us. That's a blessing, isn't it? To sit around a table with other people and to share the word of the Lord or an idea and then to delve into it and to come up with creativity at the table and think, oh, how does this build on that? And the next thing you know, we were building this edifice of the glory of God right there with ideas at the table. What a blessing. But what good is blessing if you can't keep it? What good is a blessing if there's a thief to steal, to kill, to destroy? But the Lord keeps you. Interesting that he doesn't keep the blessing. He keeps you. He keeps you. I don't have any time left to talk about the next portion, uh, portion of this blessing. But, but just the most, in the most simple terms, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. I think we can find some idea of this if we take a look at the Psalms. Just real quick and we'll end there. Psalm 121 and Psalm 128. Can we turn there real quick? Just a look at the blessing of the Lord. Next week I'm going to talk a little bit about how the blessing of the Lord was given to Jacob, how God blessed him by showing him his face, because that's the next portion. But we, we're going to... We're going to see how the blessing of the Lord came into Jacob's life. And immediately after that, catastrophe happened in his life. And we're going to see how the blessing of the Lord was still on Jacob's life, even though the events that took place immediately following the blessing were catastrophic. And how in the end, the blessing of the Lord was clearly evident in Jacob's life. We'll talk about that next week. But Psalm 121 is a very important, a very important uh, little psalm, beautiful psalm. It says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. Who is keeping you? My friends, in your anxieties, they keep you awake at night. Who is keeping you? Is it your financial condition? Is it your health? If Christ is eligible to speak the blessing, and he is, and if Christ has spoken the blessing, which he has, and if you are the people of God, which you are, then the blessing of the Lord is upon your life. We'll have to examine that. That's why Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, 
He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. O saint of God, O you who are about to step into, into the journey of the Lord, O you who are about to embark, having packed your bags, and now in trepidation, wondering whether or not you are to leave and enter into the ways of the Lord. I speak to myself and to others who figuratively are leaving where they were to enter into what God has for them now. <laughs> the Lord shall not strike you. The, the sun shall not strike you by day. The sun shall not strike you by day and the moon, nor the moon by night. Put your faith and your trust in God. Put your faith and your trust in God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Do you hear it? Do you see it? Forevermore. The Lord keep you. Psalm 128 and we're done. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, <laughs> who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed. It shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Come on, Tammy. <laughs> your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. In this case, I say, for those of you who don't live in Israel and who are not looking to the natural city of Jerusalem, perhaps look at the spiritual city of Jerusalem, which is, after all, the household of faith, is it not? Where the Lord is enthroned. May you see the prosperity of your fellowship. May you see the prosperity of your church all the days of your life. This is the blessing of the Lord from Zion. He speaks over you. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. My friends, the blessing of the Lord is upon you. There are some, there are some very important caveats You must believe. You must believe that Jesus is high priest. And that the atonement that he offers will wash away your sins. For the blessing of the Lord is not upon evil. And the blessing of the Lord is not upon those whose hearts are not turned towards him. The blessing of the Lord cannot be on those who will not receive the blessing of the Lord. What makes us eligible to receive the blessing? Is it not the blood of Christ? Is it not the blood of the Lamb that is taken and, and spread over the doorway of our heart? Is it not the blood of the Lamb that makes the angel of death pass over? Is it not the blood of the Lamb that redeems us 
from death and hell. Is it not the blood of the Lamb that presents us spotless and blameless before the Father? Is it not the blood of the Lamb that brings upon us the blessing of God? Believe, and you and your household shall be saved. Believe. Believe in Christ Jesus alone. There is no other high priest. No one else can give this blessing. So believe and walk. Walk in the blessing. Carry the name of God. Be a child of God. Shoulders back, chin up, heart full, smile on your face. The joy of the Lord in every circumstance. Father, we need you. Oh God, there is none other. This morning I offer an invitation to anybody who has not believed in Christ but today feels prompted and stirred in their heart to say, I want to believe. If there is anyone here who would be willing today to start that journey with a prayer of faith, to pray with me, to say, yes, pastor, I'll pray with you. I want Jesus to be Lord of my heart. If there's anybody that would like that today, just slip up your hand. Show me your hand. I'm looking. Nobody else is looking. Is there anybody? We offer you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, a public declaration of your faith by all means, that he may one day stand before the almighty God and say, this one has your name on them. This one is redeemed. A simple act of faith begins the journey, a confession with your mouth and believing in your heart. And I'll lead you in a simple prayer. Just raise your hand if there's anyone at all. In that case, Lord, I ask that you would pour out your grace upon these people. Lord, these who have chosen to believe in you and to trust in you, may their hearts be encouraged. May they walk in the grace and the strength of God, and may they walk in the blessing as you have indeed blessed them. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill every heart here with the power to be sons and daughters of God, to cry out, Abba, Father, and may their relationship with you, each one of them, become stronger and stronger day by day. Lead us, O Lord, not into temptation, but deliver us from every evil and from the evil one. Because your kingdom, which is forever, is here. In Jesus' name, amen.